guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazzitti, and welcome back for another episode from the Matthew Spazzitti program. Guys, this is going to be the last episode for this week. I hope you guys have been enjoying this week's uh, set of episodes. You know, if you guys are new here, you know, like I said, we talk about financial freedom and economics, and what that is, is financial freedom is just controlling the source of our income, right? It could also be called entrepreneurship, something of that nature, but con- I, I believe personally, he, and this is why one of the reasons I'm doing the show is that we all need to take control of the source of our income. It's the only way to truly be free. You know, having a source of income that we control and that can't be taken away from us is one of the most important aspects to our freedom because our wealth is tied to our freedom. And the more wealth you have, the more freedom you have, okay? And that's the general idea. Look, if it's also important to know that if we have control over our wealth and it's mobile income, we can also get up and leave if, if our country goes and in, in turns in, in a bad way, if our, you know, if where, wherever we live isn't really uh, working out for us. You know, if you guys are in California and you're living with all those fires, maybe you don't want to live in California anymore because it seems like it's going to be a consistent thing that's happening. Having mobile income and having control over the source of that income is a very, very powerful and strong thing. And then the other aspect of the show is economics. Why? Because ultimately economics gives us the framework that we need and the glasses that we need to see the world in. So, you know, it it, it explains why certain people behave the way that they do. It explains, you know, human action, you know, the study of human action, which is praxeology, which was actually created by Ludwig von Mises. It's a pretty cool uh, field of study, but it, it, it focuses on trying to decipher the incentives that people have and and why they choose to act and what what incentives cause them to act in what way, right? It's not human behavior. It's that humans take action. And while that may seem like a really obvious and silly thing to say, in reality, you know, humans take action, yes, but why do they take action? Why do they sell when the market tanks? You know, what I mean, well, their selling causes the tanking, but why do they do it? You know, why do they choose to invest even in companies that really don't show that they're in a good financial standpoint? Maybe the company has more debt than they have assets. Maybe the company has more expenses and liabilities than it has revenue. So, guys, you know, what? why do people make decisions, whether it's rational, irrational, it doesn't matter. Why do people make these decisions? Why do they act given the incentives that they do? Why would someone buy a bond knowing that the bond is only going to have a negative interest rate? So basically they're losing money by having the bond, right? Instead of getting money with a positive interest rate, you know, now they're losing money. They're paying to store their money in the bond. Why would someone do that? And the reason why is, or how we would figure that out is that we would look at the incentives that they have. We would have to look at the totality of circumstances. We would have to be mindful of the 
situation that they are in, the context, and we would ultimately have to use the study of praxeology, the study of Austrian economics, to determine why they're doing what they're doing. Guys, Austrian economics is a wonderful field of economics. It's my personal favorite one. It's the one that I self-subscribe to. And I have to be honest, it's really great at predicting the future outcome of events in the future. Like it's really good at predicting stuff that's coming down the line. But just like all fields of economics, what it's not very good about doing is it's not good at predicting and timing when these predictions will ultimately come to fruition. You know, economics is great for seeing stuff down the road. Economics is not that great for timing when it's going to happen. And that's really boils down to having a crystal ball. You know, ever no one has a crystal ball. And yet, you know, and that's kind of what you would need in order to figure it, in order to know when certain things are going to happen and when they're not. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that's why, why we do economics. We need to understand the risks. We need to see things coming down the road so that we can plan accordingly. Like I always say at the end of every single episode, and that's why we focus on economics. That said, though, guys, if you were just joining me here for the very first time, I want to first and foremost say welcome. Thank you for showing up. Uh, thank you for giving me a, a little bit of your time today. I absolutely love it when you guys come here. It's a huge compliment that you guys would even want to come and listen to me. I That's just amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Um, if you guys haven't already done this, I'd like to challenge you guys to take the 10 episode challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, what is the 10 episode challenge? The 10 episode challenge is basically where you go back and it's exactly how it sounds. You go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes of the show. If you want to do more, you can always do more. That's fine. Going back and listening to the last 10 episodes. The reason I ask you to do this is because look, there's so much value that you guys are going to get from this show if you go back and you listen to the last 10 episodes. And there's more to it than just getting value. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be referencing a lot of things, terminology that I may have defined, you know, certain news events that I may have talked about or whatnot in the past episodes that you're not going to know about if you listen to, you know, just this episode and onward, because look, I don't talk about things in a vacuum here. You know, I don't talk about stuff in a vacuum. This isn't drive-by news like the rest of social media is. This is us diving deep into concepts, into what's actually happening in the economy. This is us diving deep into everything, right? As deep as we can in an hour-long episode. All right, guys, let's go ahead and hop into the topic at hand for today. Ladies and gentlemen, we were going to talk about taxes taxation and we're also going to be going over a an article that I read here uh, coming from thehill.com and it's going to be talking about the realist the potential real estate crisis advocates plead for housing aid as eviction cliff looms all right so this isn't exactly a libertarian or right wing uh, you know article or any or free market article for for that matter but there were some things in here that I really that kind of just like pressed the my buttons in the wrong way but it is just more evidence that ultimately you know, there could be a real estate crisis that's on the horizon. I think that there is. And I think that once the moratorium kind of goes away, it's going to really get very, very real. But I want to point out the hypocrisy that's in this article and whatnot. So we'll go over that in a little bit. But really, what I wanted to honestly talk to you guys about is taxation. You know, it's very popular to reference taxation as theft. 
in the libertarian circle and community. Now, again, I'm not a libertarian. I don't self-subscribe as a libertarian. I, I would not define myself as that. You know, while I share many, many, many beliefs with the libertarian community, I really do. Taxation as theft is definitely one of them. But I have to admit, I don't fully agree on every libertarian tenet and therefore, and some of, and some important ones. Like, for example, I'm a monarchist. Okay, and I am in favor in the context of monarchy in the centralization of power, right? Many libertarians are not in favor of the centralization of power. They're just not. But I think that it's necessary in order to create a, a peaceful and prosperous culture and society. That's what I believe. Now, granted, again, I'm not in favor of centralization of power when it comes to democracies and republics or any hybrid system thereof. I'm, on, I'm only in favor of it in the terms of monarchy. And you know, we can get into a whole argument as to would you support monarchy today if we were to appoint a king and, you know, I don't know, out of our culture, one that is very immoral. I, I Look, I don't know. There's a lot of moral people in our culture, okay? It's not as though every single person is immoral. There's a ton of really great people out there. But are we responsible enough to go and appoint a good king? I, I don't know, guys. I mean, and, and there's a whole other mess of topics that we could talk about. That's a show for, for another day. That's not the point of the episode today. That said, those ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to taxation, it's very popular to refer to it as taxation is theft in the libertarian community and even some conservative circles as well. But the question is, is it really theft? You know, what makes it theft and whatnot? And, uh, you know, I, I absolutely believe that, yes, it is theft because it's not voluntary, because it's not something, it's not like you're giving someone a choice. You have to give you're the money. You have to allow them to take the money. Otherwise, you could get thrown in jail and things of that nature. But ladies and gentlemen, look, the fact of the matter is that you don't have a choice when it comes to taxes. You just don't. They take, will take your money at the point of a gun. And I believe that no one is entitled to the money and the product of your labor. You work blood, sweat, and tears. You sacrifice a lot for that money. What right does someone have to it? If you choose to give it, then it's really more of a donation, okay? So, I believe that taxation is theft because it is mandatory. And in the event that you are in favor of taxation, then for you, I suppose it wouldn't necessarily be theft. It'd be more of a, a donation. But still, it's mandatory. And, and that's why it's confiscatory. They're confiscating it. The very, the very idea, the very terminology confiscation implies that you don't get a choice. That's why it is theft. It is as if someone broke into your house, took it, your, your belongings at the point of a gun. And if you think I'm exaggerating that, ladies and gentlemen, there are many people who have avoided taxes and have gotten thrown in jail and have died in jail as the result of their tax avoidance. I don't necessarily think that tax avoidance is something that that should be criminalized. I think that you, no one has a right to your money. No one does. Your neighbor does it. And if you if you are in favor of taxation, let me let me be very honest with you. Okay, you if you are in favor of taxation, what effectively you are doing is going to your neighbor, and you're and you are telling them that I'm going to hire someone to steal your money so that I can get some of it because I think you have too much. Try doing that in person. Try going to your neighbor, going next door and telling them that. You're going to get laughed at. You're going to get punched at in the face. You might even get shot in some areas. Okay? It's not a good idea. You would never go to someone and actually tell them that. And yet that's what we do. 
We elect politicians. We say we want to increase taxes on the rich. The people who provide jobs, by the way, the people who actually allow our economy to grow, the people who cause the economic growth. Let me, I'm going to tell you one thing right here, right now. If you are employed by somebody else, then ultimately, while you do contribute to production, a company's production, and they absolutely need you and your job is important, in the end, you don't produce as much as you think you do. You contribute to the production, but you're not really creating it entirely in most cases, in many cases. And again, I don't say that to be insulting. I say that to get you to understand that you are in more than likely, you are a net consumer, not a net producer. And as a result, you know, when you are simply being a net consumer, I mean, the net, the net producers are the ones that create economic growth, not the net consumers. The net consumers do not create economic growth, ladies and gentlemen. You do not offer jobs. You do not put value in the hands of other people by working for somebody else. You're, you're, I guess you could say that you're contributing to it a little bit, but you're, you're not the one that came up with it. You're not the one that took the risk. You're not the one that created the concept that is now providing value to other people's lives. You are merely a, a cog in the machine that ultimately helps to keep that thing going. And yeah, you have value. I'm not saying that you don't. You have a lot of value. There is a lot of value. We need people who work to help make the production of value possible. Of course we do, but you didn't come up with the idea. You didn't come up with the business. You didn't offer the jobs to other people. You are not the one that's, that's basically coming up with a product that's going to fix other people's lives. You are a net consumer. You are not a net producer. And as a result of that, do you think it's right to go to these companies and ask them for the money that they have created by providing value to other people and saying that, well, instead of making yourself rich, instead of providing that money to your family, instead of creating stability for your family and stability for other families as well by hiring and employing them, we're going to take your money away from you because I feel that you make more than me and I'm envious and I'm jealous of you because, you know, I work hard too, you know, and I feel like I need, I should, I, I deserve more. Yet I didn't take any of the risks. Yet I didn't create the, the, the one thing that in effect is going to lift the value and other people's lives. It's going to provide value and lift up other people's lives as a result of it. I didn't do that. But I think that I'm entitled to what you made. That's effectively what you're saying. When, if you're in favor of taxation, that is effectively what you're saying. You see, the business owner, you may look at them and you may see them as being corrupt and evil and things of that nature, which if you do, you're overgeneralizing because not every business owner is corrupt and evil. There are many that are perfectly fine individuals. They're very kind. They're very generous. They care about their employees. They show that they care. They offer them great benefits. They offer them great, very competitive pay. And in some cases, they offer benefits that go far and beyond what other companies offer. They provide a good, you know, they don't expect you to work like a dog and sacrifice time with your family. They don't, they don't expect you to do those things. There are great employers that are out there. 
but you didn't create the, the, the product or service that they are offering. You did not lift the quality of life of others around you by creating a product or service. You didn't do that. You didn't take the risks. You're just benefiting off somebody else's risk that they took. So don't be so arrogant as to think that it's okay to go to those people, the rich and the wealthy, quote unquote, and demand their money. That would be, in effect, like you becoming rich and wealthy and then someone saying, yeah, I don't think you deserve any of your wealth or I don't think you deserve even, you know, 15% or a quarter percent or 50% of your wealth. I think I do. All I did was I go, I went to a ballot box, you know, plugged the card into this little digital screen, clicked on a few things on who to elect and I voted for the guy that that said he was going to steal your money for me. You are stealing money. Taxation is theft, ladies and gentlemen. It just is. You should not be in ad- advocating for it. You, you know, how much of my money that I have earned, how much do I owe? You know, how much? If, if For those of you who are in favor of taxation, how much do I owe? Seriously, come on, tell me. How much do I owe? What is my number? What is, how, what is my share? How much do I owe? I was the one that took all the risks. I'm the one taking all the risks right now in this podcast, in my trading business. I'm the one taking all the risks. How much money do I owe? You see, if you were sitting right in front of me, you wouldn't be able to tell me. It'd be highly insulting. You know, you would, it would be, it would be highly insulting. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't dare say that in front of my face, largely because you'd be afraid of getting punched in the face or, or at least losing a friend or facing criticism. And yet every single time you vote for a politician who's in favor of taxation, this is what you are doing. You know, I, I always find it funny when conservatives claim that they're conservative because their they're, they're politicians, the people they vote for, are totally and completely, you know, not conservative at all. You know, they, they, they spend a lot of money, they, they raise the deficit, they raise the, the debt burden that the U.S. government has. They're in favor of taxation. They're in favor of Social Security, which is a wealth redistribution program, which is very socialistic. They're in favor of Medicaid and Medicare. They're in favor of a lot of things. But ladies and gentlemen, look, taxation is theft if you don't want to pay them. If you do, then it's more of a donation. You see, taxation is theft because it's mandatory, where the government comes and takes your money at the point of a gun. But here's the thing. What if we gave people the choice to pay taxes or not? What if we allowed people to choose whether they really wanted to pay? You see, would the programs that they ultimately use the money for, would those programs still be going? Would Or would they go under for lack of funding? Would it cause the programs to shrink and become very, very small? I don't know. I think so. Has anyone ever asked that question? Those of you who are in favor of it, you know, those of you who are not in favor of it, have you ever asked the question? If ta- if you think that these programs that the government offers, such as uh, Social Security, military, police, firefighters, you know, maybe uh, Medicaid, Medicare, may- whatever kind of program you want, you think it's so valuable. You think that people would pay for those services anyways. And they might. You might be right. But have you ever asked the question, what if you gave people a choice? 
as to whether or not they wanted to pay taxes. And if you did, how many programs would fail and close down for lack of funding? How many programs would shrink to a very, very small size? What do you think would happen? I think a lot of, of, of these programs would go under entirely. I don't think that people find value in them. I think that the programs where people do find value, there would still be people who would contribute money to them, but in the end, I don't think they'd be anywhere near as large as they are today. Ladies and gentlemen, taxation is theft because it's mandatory. And if you don't like it, if, you, if you're all in favor of all forms of taxation, which I doubt, I mean, come on. If you're a left-wing individual, you really in favor of ruining the lives of the other people overseas in the Middle East by bombing their hospitals and their neighborhoods, by the, the collateral damage that is caused by war, a war that, you know, we by, by many arguments and by many points we shouldn't even be in anymore, we should never have been in in the first place. Imagine all the, the lives that we're ruining over there. It's really not hard to imagine why they don't like us. Some of them don't. Some of them do. But I mean, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Imagine, the, and it's not just in the Middle East either. It's all over the world. We're in, involved in a lot of major wars here that most people aren't even aware of. Are you really in favor of reducing the money that the poor have to survive? Sure, if you're poor enough, you may not have to pay income taxes, but you still have to pay sales taxes. You still have to pay property taxes, whether it's in your rent or whether it's in the property that you that you own or are, are effectively probably renting from the bank via a mortgage, via debt. You're still paying those taxes one way or the other. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in favor of taxation, you are in favor of hurting the poor. Of, of destroying their families, of making the money that they have go very, not very far at all. Because they have to pay eight and a quarter percent if you're in Texas and pro in sales taxes, which makes every single product that you buy that has those taxes, it makes those items more expensive, thereby reducing what you can spend your money on elsewhere. Think of how many jobs that destroys every single year think of it. Just just think of it. If we're paying eight and a quarter percent on products and services that we buy fit in fit physical products and online. Okay. It's not so much a confiscatory tax like income taxes, but it is a consumption based tax. If you were to, to pay that amount, well, I, I, I don't know about you, but that means you have less money. And how many people are prevented from job from creating jobs as a result of that? Millions upon millions upon millions are probably brought in because of the sales taxes, because of property taxes. Yeah, I can tell you right now with the mortgage that my wife and I are paying on right now, we probably pay, I think, somewhere in the three to $400 range a month in property taxes. The bulk of that is public schools. And yet public schools, their education still sucks and it's, a glor it's nothing more than a glorified daycare. I've wor I used to work in the public schools, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I wouldn't trust them with my ch with my child, with any of my children. I wouldn't trust my child's education to be in the hands of those individuals. Heck no! I can't believe that there are people out there that do. I, I know a lot of the reasons that people that do is because they don't feel like they have a choice, right? They have, they both work. They they gotta have someone watch their kids. I get it. 
But there are other alternatives. There are co-ops. There are are, are families who's who have uh, you know a one income family where the the husband or the wife stays home and takes care of the kids. You know you can work with your local community in order to watch your kids. You know they can work. You can work with them. That's something you can do. You got to of course know the people. You don't just want to entrust them to complete strangers. But that's what you're doing with teachers. What, because they're certified, because they're approved by the government, all of a sudden they're trustworthy? Tell that to the many parents whose children were abused by teachers in horrendous ways. Horror stories that we hear about on the news all the time. Yeah, that happens. Those were certified, quote-unquote, certified people from the government. They're complete strangers, and you don't know them. That's the truth. No, in the end, public school is just a glorified daycare, an indoctrination program. That's it. But what if we didn't have to pay for it anymore? What if if I chose to not put my kids in school? What if I chose to not have the support of the firefighters and police officers and I went with more of a free market option? What if I chose, what if I didn't have to pay those taxes anymore? How many jobs could I create? How many businesses could I create? How much could we benefit the, the lives of the poor, the poor, you know, if we didn't have to pay that money? You know, if you're in favor of taxation, you're hurting the poor. You are directly hurting the poor. You are effectively saying that I don't care. You have to pay like everyone else, even though you're poor. You know, for those of you who are all in favor of helping the poor, you're in favor of taxation. You're hurting them through property taxes. You're hurting them through sales taxes. You're hurting them too. Taxes hurt the poor just like they hurt everyone else. You know, you need to get out of the mindset that only the rich and the wealthy are paying the taxes because quite frankly, that's not how it works. And no amount of regulation is going to change that. Not going to the government and throwing a hissy fit, rioting or protesting. None of that is going to change anything. Not going to change a thing. You're not going to encourage people to, you know, increase the regulatory burden on the rich and the wealthy. You know why? Because they are the ones that actually control what regulations get passed and what don't. Not you. You see, when they donate and contribute money to politicians' campaigns, all right, they are the ones who the politician picks up the phone for. When was the last time the politician picked up the phone for you? It doesn't happen very often. It may have happened to some of you, but it doesn't happen very often, if it happens at all. You get some secretary. You get some automated message. Thank you for your opinions. We appreciate your support. You see, the rich and the wealthy contribute money to the politicians and their campaigns. And as a result of that, they are the ones that actually influence what regulations get passed. You can we can whine, you could be about it all day long. It doesn't change the it doesn't change the fact that that's the way that it is. I mean, what have we said on this show many times? We have said that ultimately America is an oligarchy. It's not a democratically elected republic. No, no, no. It is an oligarchy. It is a theocratically controlled oligarchy. On paper, it may be a democratically elected republic, but it's not. 
it is an oligarchy. That's what it is. It is an oligarchy that is controlled ultimately by big corporations and politicians. And the big corporations stem in all the different sectors, whether it's pharmaceutical, whether it's military industrial complex, whether it's, you know, manufacturing of any kind, whether it's home builders and real estate, home developers, you know, whether it's, I don't know, the media themselves, which are, are, are honestly just another arm of the government. That's all they are, really. That, in effect, is what we have. And I say theocratically controlled. Look, uh, there is a, a religion that is in vogue today. that it, it favors environmentalism, you know, egalitarianism, freedom of outcome, you know, feminism, racism, all this, you know, it favors all these kind of things. These are religions. These are absolutely religions. They're atheistic religions, but they're religions nonetheless. And they very much have priests that speak in their white towers. And you know what? These these priests, these experts are the are doctorate degree holders, you know, Nobel laureates, professors. The university is where the indoctrination begins. Well, technically, and, and it begins in high school and, and, and further down the line as well, but it begins in the education of the people. And then those people go out there and they start, you know, screaming about democracy, freedom, equality. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a theocratically controlled oligarchy. That's really what America is today. It's not a democracy. It's not a republic. And nor should it be a, a democracy or republic as those will only result in tyranny and dictatorships. Monarchy is the only area. And no, I don't think that monarchy and dictatorships are the same thing. Yeah, uh, Democrats and Republicans, and I don't mean that in the sense, like people who are in favor of democracy, republics, or any hybrid system thereof, like America's is, you know, they firmly believe and you hear them say this all the time, that monarchy is nothing more than dictatorship, than tyranny. And I say BS. It is not. There is a huge difference between a dictator and a monarch. Okay? There is. And really quick, all it is, because I don't want to spend too much time on this, because it's not really the, the course, the, the reason for the episode and whatnot, you know, um... What it is, is basically that a dictator is is motivated primarily based off of a, a, he doesn't really own the nation, he or she, they don't own the nation, they don't own the country, they're more of a permanent caretaker of the country. Technically speaking, they could die and they can't really pass it on to somebody else, they're, they're next of kin, they're, they're, um, they're children, you know, unlike a hereditary monarchy, they don't own the, the, the government, they don't own the country. They don't have private ownership of government. They have pu- it's still public ownership. Some other person's going to get elected or appointed, and they're just the, the the full-time caretaker. They are incentivized to abuse the system as much as possible. And on top of that, okay, on top of that, a dictator believes in a utopian world whereby everyone is equal, or at least that's the, the mantra that they go by. In reality, I think that they don't believe that at all. In reality, I think they're just using that to gain power. But that's what the, that's the ideology that that's there. They promote this ideology of equality, very egalitarianism. They, they promote the ideology of a utopian society that simply doesn't exist and will never exist because it do, it runs in the face of human nature. 
And that, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is the it, it, very, very briefly, and we can we could do another episode on it, in, it, it later on. But that br- very briefly, that is the difference between monarchy and dictatorship in my mind. They're different. They're not the same. The incentive structure is not the same. We're just going to stop it right there because honestly, that's not what this episode is up. This episode is about taxation and that taxation is theft because it's mandatory. Okay. Because it's confiscatory because it's at the point of a gun. And we were ultimately just asking the question here is if you gave people a choice, would these programs really even be valuable anymore? Would anybody contribute money to them of their own volition, of their own free will? Some people might. Sure. Yeah, do you, do you think that firefighters have an absolutely, uh, you know, a value to the society? I absolutely think they do. People might continue, you know, I don't know if anyone would continue to contribute taxation or you would have private firms that provide the service, but at least you have a choice if it's a private firm and you probably have different competitors as well, as long as they're not given, you know, monopolistic control over certain territories and certain areas by the go- local governments, which happens all the time. Police officers would be the same way. You could have your own private security force that protects neighborhoods and businesses and certain areas, and you can have firms that you pay money towards. You probably could get more bang for your buck. It may not be. It may be more expensive. It may be cheaper. It'll be cheaper, I almost guarantee, if you have multiple competitors, if you have multiple firms that can protect different areas. There are lots of other things that I think that we as people don't even consider, we don't even think about when it comes to the very basic necessities that taxation is supposedly providing for us. You know, everyone always contribute, uh, you know, contributes to the argument and complains that private schools are so expensive. Well, you can always homeschool, but if you don't want to do that, private schooling is expensive because there's a lack of competition there. If you were to turn every single public school into a private school, you were no longer to fund it with any form of taxpayer dollars, the prices would come down and the quality would probably go up. That's what competition does. That's the power of the markets, ladies and gentlemen. The markets are very powerful sources. They are powerful, you know, forces for the consumer, for you and me, for everyday people. They're not very powerful for the ruling class, right? Particularly one, ones that are politically motivated. But they're powerful forces that can benefit our lives greatly if we just allow the power of the markets to work. Increase in quality of service. Decrease in prices. Amazing. And yeah, there will be people who will send their kids to, you know, schools that are not as nice as others. There, there's not going to be equality. Equality doesn't exist. Even if, you, even if you think equality exists, it doesn't. There is never going to be equality. Even in socialistic and communistic regimes, look at, there's someone always at the top. There's a group of people at the top. And you know what? They lord over everyone else. While everyone else is sitting in squalor, starving to death, you know, being beat to death by their fellow neighbors because they're all squabbling and, you know, basically tattling on each other and, and beating each other and spying on each other like in the Weimar Republic. The, 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 the ruling class at the top is living the life, getting wine at the dinners, driving fancy cars. Heck, they don't even drive. They got other people driving them. Rolls Royces, helicopters, private jets. Everyone else lives in squalor. Don't tell me equality exists. It doesn't. It doesn't exist at all. And you shouldn't expect it to. Because if it did, frankly, life wouldn't be worth living. 
if we were all equal, then what, what? Then there's no hope of ever becoming rich and wealthy. There's no hope of ever living a, a wonderful, beautiful life that we all can have the opportunity to live. If equality existed, that wouldn't be the case. So don't be so arrogant as to think that you want equality. You don't know what true equality really even looks like. You have no idea what equality looks like today. And I'm telling you, it's ugly. It's not something you want. You don't want equality. You just want to be at the top. Well, you know what? That's going to take a lot of different choices and what you're making. But back to the idea of taxation. You know, I really wanted to also talk about Trump's taxes. That's something that everyone's talking about. Trump's taxes, he only paid 750 whatever dollars. He only paid, you know, a little over 700 bucks for his taxes. Oh my gosh, you know, he's, look at how wealthy he is. He avoided taxes. Good. Good for him. Would all we learn how to do that? How to avoid taxes like that legally? By the way, good. I don't care whether it's legal or illegal. We shouldn't be paying taxes in the first place. It's theft. You know, maybe you, you're in favor of taxation when you're poor because you have no money and you don't manage your money well in the first place. That's your fault. Your fault is that you didn't, you're not improving your life. You're not actively trying to improve your life. Assuming that this is you. And most of you on the show, this probably is not applying to you. But, you know, I mean, look. If, if you're struggling with money, that's your fault. That's your fault. Are you trying to change it? Probably not. And don't tell me, oh yeah, I'm trying to change, I'm trying to find a job, Matthew. Try to find a job. That'll change it. No. No, it won't. It'll sustain you if you get a job, sure. But it's not going to make you rich and wealthy. It's not going to change your life. No. The reason it's your fault, ladies and gentlemen, is it's not your fault if you got laid off, okay? If you're in that boat, you know, I'm not trying to say that's your fault. What I'm trying to say is the vast majority of people who struggle with money, it's because they spend every dime that they make. They save very little and they invest very little. You know why the rich get, keep getting richer and the poor get poor? Because of, of monetary devaluation. In another word, in, in word that most people always know by, it's inflation, okay? Monetary devaluation. That's what causes the rich to get richer and the poor get poor because the rich have assets and the poor do not. The rich know how to control their money so they can use any extra money that they have and they can use it to invest in stock market, invest in real estate, invest in precious metals, invest in cryptocurrencies, invest in businesses that are not even on the stock market. They can, in effect, invest their money in ways that no one else does because they manage their money well, because they learned how to attract money. You know, that's what Donald Trump used to do before he was president. He learned how to attract money to him. He learned how to play the system. Look, I am not a fan of Donald Trump, okay? No more than the next guy, okay? I'm not. I don't think he's a, a, a conservative first and foremost. I think he's very much in pursuit of his own self-interest, and that's not always bad, okay? That's not always bad. But I mean, the man just literally, he took a lot of campaign do uh, donations, campaign contributions, and he used his own business as, an, as a way of funneling money into his own businesses. Now, I don't think that's, I, I, I don't know about you. I don't think there's anything, th there, it's above board. There's nothing illegal with it. But is it ethical to do that? They, they, I mean, maybe some people, maybe people are like, hey, I don't care. You know, but more, more, by all means, I'm going to give you more money. You know, I, I, th I think President Donald Trump is the best. I'm just going to give him all the money I can. I don't care if he just uses it to increase his own personal wealth. Uh, okay, you know, if, if you feel that way, hey, I could use some money. <laughs> if you want me, you know, I, I could use some money, you know. 
you just want to throw it out to, to help certain people, you know, increase their own personal wealth. But I mean, look, I don't, I, I wouldn't give the guy any money. And quite frankly, I don't entirely know if, uh, I think it's kind of a slap in the face. I think it's insulting for those who donate money to help because they're donating money for him to change a country in the way that they think, whether you and I disagree with that or not, you know, their vision of what the country should be, uh, you know, whatever, it, it, that's irrelevant. The fact remains is they're giving him money for a particular purpose and he's just putting it into his pockets and doing nothing with it. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, if he's going to do that, then at least tell people that's what he's going to do and be honest and open about it and be transparent about it. And if they want to still give you money, then let them give you money. You know, open up a donation site in the name of Trump, you know, contribute to the Trump name, contribute to Trump's life, pay for the gold that he uses in his buildings and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, but the guy is not wrong to avoid taxes. Okay. We can fault him for many, many things, but he is not wrong to avoid taxes. Nobody is. Apple has more money than the U.S. government. And you know what? Apple stores a lot of that, I th believe, in Scotland. So in Scotland or Ireland. I, th I think he's in Scotland, where they're only paying a very small, small taxes. And they pay none of it. Very little taxes in the U.S. You see, the ultra-rich and wealthy don't have to pay taxes, and nor should they. Nor should any of us. But it becomes easier to avoid taxes when you make more money, when you control the source of your income. And we should all be pursuing that. Look, if you believe that systematic racism is real, then why are you paying into a system that promotes it? Why are you funding it? Are you a hypocrite? That's kind of the way it comes across to me. If you believe that systematic racism is real, and I, I personally, I don't, but we can agree to disagree on that point. But if you do, then you shouldn't be paying taxes because you're funding the very system that you think is racist. If you hate war, you are basically funneling money via taxation into, you know, basically a military industrial complex into a war machine that destroys the lives of many, many people who are not enemies of our freedoms. I mean, come on, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian, you're against abortion. I, I am. I'm totally against abortion. I think it should be illegal. I think it should be considered murder to abort a baby. I think it should. And I think that the, the life starts at conception. Now, granted, I know I'm not the majority. Okay, I know I'm not the majority there. I get it. That said, though, if you are in disagreement of abortion, you know, should you be paying taxes into a system that promotes it? that allows it to occur, that gives it away for free? If you're, in, if you're not in favor of people getting thrown in jail for doing drugs and they're not hurting anybody else, they didn't get the money through stolen money or anything of the sort, right? Which is a hell of a lot more than I can say for people that are, uh, you know, politicians who get a lot of their money through taxpayer dollars, you know, basically stolen money. But if they're not doing it and they're just earning, you know, spending their own money that they bought on drugs, you know, if they want to, you know, veg out on weed on the couch and be like, dude, you know, the world is so angry. We just need more love. You know, hey, who freaking cares? Right? If you're not in favor of them getting thrown in jail, should you really be promoting and paying taxes into a system that throws and incarcerates Many, many people for nonviolent crimes. But ladies and gentlemen, no. 
If you disagree with things, you should not be paying taxes. It's theft. No one has a right to the, your money. No one has a right to the product of your labor. And this will eventually start to deteriorate, ladies and gentlemen. If you are allowing people, if you, taxation, you know, when, if they can forcefully take the product of your labor, it won't just stop at, at money. It won't just stop at the money that you make. It will extend to everything that you do. It will one day extend to your businesses. It will one day extend. If you create a book, it'll extend to that. It'll extend to any kind of product or service that you create. It's a dangerous slope taxation is, and it's not good, and we need to avoid it at all costs. Fight it every tooth and nail, right? We. This is the whole reason why I'm in favor of incorporation, you know, incorporating so to avoid as many taxes legally. I'm not saying don't pay your taxes illegally. Please don't do that. You are going to end up in jail, or at least there's a very good chance of it, okay? The IRS is not a very forgiving uh, institution, so don't illegally do it, but there are many legal ways to do it. You just need money to do it. You know, honestly, it's not that expensive to incorporate. I think it's like $500, $600 a year to incorporate it with an LLC. You can avoid taxes that way. You can avoid taxes by getting a good accountant and he can help you. If you, if you are owning a business, you can, you know, itemize. You can also, you can move overseas. If you move to Puerto Rico and you make money outside of Puerto Rico, guess what? 4% taxes. That's it. No U.S. taxes, 4% taxes. And it goes into, you know, basically the Puerto Rican government, which is corrupt. Yes, uh, absolutely. But at least it doesn't go into the U.S. government. Okay. There are ways to avoid taxes, but you need money to do a lot of that. All right. If you are a contract worker, hey, start a business, start an LLC, incorporate, say that you're contracting and this is your business. And then that is better taxes for you. All right, look, taxation is theft. It is not immoral to say that. It is not immoral to legally try to avoid taxes. It isn't. It just isn't. It is not immoral for Donald Trump to avoid taxes. It's not moral for anyone to avoid avoid taxes. That's the truth. It doesn't matter. The truth is, okay, the truth about Donald Trump's taxes is that it doesn't matter what, what it doesn't matter. He shouldn't have to pay a dime. None of us should. It, we, we shouldn't have to. But unfortunately, we do. And the way out of it is to take control of the source of our income, and then you have options. You've got a lot of options available to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the episode today. That, 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 that's the ending message here. Take control of the source of your income. It is the ending message of every single episode I do. Okay? It, you know, you need to take control over the source of your income. Then and only then can you stop contributing to a system that, quite frankly, you don't agree with every single part of it. None of us do. There are certain pieces we might agree with, certain pieces we don't agree with, but we don't agree with every single part of it, and, and nor should we. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to ultimately take control of the source of your income so that you don't have to pay into the parts that you don't agree with. That's that's the truth. That's what you got to do. And hey... We, I'm going to help you guys do that. I'm going to show you guys my journey. We'll, we will be talking more and more about it as time goes on. I do apologize. I didn't actually get a chance to get to the, the real estate stuff. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to get to it either. We'll get to it another time or I don't know if it's even really all that necessary at this point to, to even bother covering. It's just basically saying that, uh, you know, more people they're facing, you know, more 
trouble with the real estate market with regards to tenants and, and landlords and stuff. And basically it was an article that was kind of like boohooing and saying, oh yeah, it's sad when families get kicked out and we certainly should never allow that. And it's just horrible. It's not their fault. And it's like, well, I get that. But then what about the families of the landlords? What about the landlords themselves? What about their families? And what about their livelihood? It's okay to let them go under. And you know, I mean, some of them provide jobs to other people. Some of them provide for other families more than just the, their own families. I mean, so apparently it's okay to hurt them. They're people too. They're humans. They've got problems just like every other human does. So apparently it's okay to hurt one class of people, the landlord. It's not okay to hurt the tenants. I don't get that either. Not to mention this whole CDC moratorium that they're talking about. You know, I'll, I'll include it in the link because I'm briefly mentioning it here. But one thing to keep in mind is that, quite frankly, it's not in favor of the tenants. It's not in favor for the little guy because in the end, if it causes, and it will, if it causes the, the landlords to go under then they're going to get kicked out anyways. They're going to get kicked out one way or the other. They're going to get evicted either by the, the landlord or the landlord's going to go under and then someone's going to take that property and it ain't going to be a rental property anymore. And, it, and if their idea is to literally just print money and give it to landlords, they could do that too, but that's going to really hurt uh, you know, our, everyone's finances. It's going to hurt your savings. It's going to hurt your investments. You know, It's going to hurt your cash. Well, if, you're, if your investments are in, you know, assets that rise with monetary devaluation, that's another, that's another story. They, they rise with inflation. That's another story. But again, your cash holding, your savings, it's going to go, it's, it, it's going to hurt it because you are creating monetary inflation. You are increasing the supply of money and you're circulating into the economy by giving it to tenants to pay the landlords or just giving it directly to the landlords. Okay, the landlords are going to take that money and they're going to spend it. They're going to spend it on expenses. They're going to spend it on food, on water. You know, you increase the monetary supply. You don't increase the supply of goods that the money's going to run for. And guess what? You're going to get you're going to get price a, a general rise in prices. That's what you're going to get. It's going to further contribute to that. So that's not a good option either. And eventually it gets so expensive to the point that, you know, the landlords can't even keep up with expenses and they're going to go under one way or the other. Again, all of this has negative effects. The best thing is just to let market forces have their way. And, you know, the best thing is to not intervene at all. And let's remember, ladies and gentlemen, all of this was caused by government shutdowns. That's what this was all caused by. Government shutdowns. That is it. The shutdowns are what caused this. If they hadn't intervened in the first place, this wouldn't have been a problem. If they hadn't printed money endlessly, this wouldn't we wouldn't be in this situation on such a shaky ground, but we are. So, ladies and gentlemen, the only way out of it is to control the source of your income. I can't say this enough. It really, guys. Look, I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to be a broken record. I'm not trying to be offensive. What I'm trying to say is that it's the only way to truly be free. It is. It's the only way to truly have real freedom in this world, to control your own life. I don't know about you, but that's something I desperately want. So I'm working on it every single day. And I hope that you guys will too. If you guys will, you're in a great place. If you guys don't want anything, yeah, maybe go listen to another show. But if you want the same freedoms that I do, and you want to take control of your life, your future, and your income, then join me, share the show, continue to come here, listen every single day. I'll keep you informed of things that are going on that I think you need to be in the loop of. I will help you show by showing you my journey, the pitfalls of what I'm going through. 
just to do all this. It's not all easy. It's not all cake and ice cream. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you my journey. You're going to learn a lot by seeing my journey, by seeing my experiences. Okay? Because I'm not financially free yet, ladies and gentlemen, but I will be. And if you join me, you will be too. If you take concerted at, if you take in the knowledge, you soak it all in, you start taking action like me, you will, you, there's a good chance you will be too. I believe I will be. And I believe that if you do all that, you will be too. But guys, look, that's got to be the end of the episode. I got to go. Got family stuff I got to do. Got to take care of my one-year-old daughter who turns one-year-old literally this weekend on the 17th. So that's pretty cool. So guys, hey, I love you guys. I love each and every one of you. We're going to do one affiliate program today. Just one. You know, we already did a lot of stuff in the beginning of the show. So guys, look, if you are interested in hedging against inflation, right? You know, I, I'm looking at this website, The Hill right here. And there's actually advertisements for silver coins and stuff because I've been looking at it before and they track everything you freaking do. But yeah, so if you're interested in it, you know, in wanting to hedge against inflation, guys, go to moneymetalsexchange.com. I'll put the link in the description below. It's not actually an affiliate link, it's a referral link. So what it will do, it'll just take you to the homepage. If you are a new customer to Money Metals Exchange and you actually want to buy something from them, and you do, and you've never bought anything from them before, mention my name and we'll both get a free silver coin, okay? That is the deal that they have. If you mention my name, that you will get a free silver coin and I will get a free silver coin as well, and we'll both mutually benefit off of it. You'll get a little bit more than what you bought, and I'll get some too, and we will both contribute to our hedges, our insurance against inflation, and it'll be great. But you have to be a new customer and you have to mention my name. So go so go ahead and click down there. Guys, look, silver is a great way as a hedge against inflation, monetary devaluation, okay? It's absolutely great. It's a good way of doing it. It's not a perfect hedge, but silver does, it is a hedge, right? If you can't afford cryptocurrencies, you don't really understand it. You know, if you can't afford real estate, you can't afford gold, platinum, palladium, silver is not a bad way to do it. I love silver. I've got silver. I'm building my portfolio as we speak, okay? So, all the time. And I'm always asking for silver for my birthday and for Christmas. It's all I really care about having right now. I love collecting the coins because I think it's cool, but I also just love having it on hand. So for to be completely fair with you, I think it's a great way of hedging against inflation. And yeah, that's uh, that's my honest opinion. If you guys think the same way, then go check out Money Metals Exchange. Uh, give them a look over and see what you think. I mean, I've ordered stuff from them, you know, and they're great. They're absolutely a great company. And I, I don't think you guys are going to be disappointed with the products that they're offering. So go check them out. All right, guys. Well, hey, if you also want to contribute to the show, consider donating to the show. Consider donating and, and allowing me to continue to come in here and provide you with excellent content and value each and every week. Guys, when you donate to the show, you help me to spread this message of financial freedom to as many people as we can get to listen. So, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, help contribute to the show, if you're getting a lot of value out of it and you're, but you don't really care about the referral programs or the affiliate programs or anything of the sort that, Hey, you know, donating to the show is a great way of doing that. So guys, if you do that, I greatly appreciate it. And as always make sure to like, make sure to subscribe, make sure to share, make sure to leave me a rating review on iTunes. If you guys love this, then please help me to grow this podcast and this message. 
alright, so if you guys will do all that for me, hey, I love you, thank you so much for being here, you guys are absolutely amazing, and in reality, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for you guys coming here each and every day, each and every week to listen, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing, I'm doing it because I love you guys, I want to help you, I genuinely care about you, alright, I do, you know, I, I absolutely do, I want you guys to not have to go through the pain that my wife and I have gone through in the past. I want you guys to not have to go through a lot of pain. I want you to understand how you guys can become free and how you can direct your life in that direction. If you guys are interested in that, then join me and I will see you and I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.